Today's passage is from Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. Hear the word of the Lord. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I was <clears throat> thankful for the rain that we got, uh, I guess kind of last night and this morning. I was especially thankful that it held off until uh, we got all of our stuff unloaded la- yesterday afternoon. We, we kept thinking it's going to start raining, it's going to start raining, we're going to be done. And it held off just, just long enough, so we're thankful for all of that. Um, if you see me, go back over here and sit in this chair. Um, it, it's, it's because my back has told me that it's tired of standing, and it has had enough. I, I have, uh, I have uh, overused it uh, the last two weeks or so, so he's, he's not cooperating with me real well. Um, but we had a great day yesterday. I'm so thankful for everybody who came out and helped us uh, we had so many people just come by, and they helped us clean and paint and, and move boxes. And, um, and it's great getting to know people that way. You can kind of know people in a, a different level when you've been scrubbing uh, baseboards and stuff. So it's, uh, it's been awesome. Thank you all uh, for, for everything you've done. Okay, so how many of you know what a YouTube mechanic is? What's a, you guys know what a YouTube mechanic is? Okay, yeah, a YouTube mechanic is somebody who doesn't know that much about cars, um, but they can Google a solution, and there pops up this YouTube video that shows them exactly how to take care of the problem that they have, right? Um, I have to admit that I am somewhat of a YouTube mechanic. Uh, I've spent more than my fair share um, of time just looking at videos and then working, uh, working on my vehicle, and then you have to go back and rewatch the video because you missed a step in there somewhere and figure out, okay, wait, wh- this doesn't look like the video showed. It showed it was so simple. Why am I not there? So then you have to go back and, and then fix the step that, you, that, that was gone. So, um, and, and these videos always say something like, hey, this is a pretty simple job. It shouldn't take you more than two hours. And, you know, famous last words. My wife has just started to say, well, what do the video say? And then I'll just double or triple that. So if it said two hours... Okay, so I'll see you tonight for dinner because it'll be five or six probably. So um, I, I'm getting a little bit past YouTube mechanic, but I'm still too dangerous to just go after it by myself because I'm going to just make a bigger mess. But, um, but I have to tell you the reason that I'm a YouTube mechanic, and it's my truck. I think maybe there's there, I don't know if there's a picture of it or not. Um, uh, so my truck is out right out here. You can take a look at it. And it doesn't look like a bad truck when you, um, but looks can be deceiving, right? The Bible says don't look at the outward appearance. Um, my truck is disobedient. It is bad. Um, it, 
I've never had a truck that's had more problems than this one. I mean, it just, I can't think of a part of the vehicle that I haven't had to do some sort of YouTube mechanic work on. All kinds of things. Um, a buddy of mine is, co- is convinced that it was probably like a flood vehicle because it's got these like electronic gremlins in it where it'll just like, you'll be at the store and it'll just decide, hey, I'm not going to start for a while. And then something else will happen and you get that fixed. And Anyway. We could be here all day talking about the, the problems this truck has had. Um, if I ever try to sell it, just this is your warning, none of you try to buy this vehicle. It's, it's possessed. I mean, I'm telling you, there's something not right with this thing. But this, this truck has made me say some things um, that, that I regret, okay? I can be honest. Um, it's made me lose my temper. Uh, this truck has, has decided not to work at, at some of the most, like, inopportune times, right? Like, it's always when you're r- running late to something that it decides it's going to, you know, whatever. And I find myself in those times saying things like, why me, Lord? Come on, really? You can't, you can't help a guy out in this moment? Um, right? Now is the time we were going to decide to whatever. That now, this is it. Um, I, I've even gone so far as to say something crazy like, oh, I hate my life right now, right? I don't know if any of you ever say that. There's kind of this, like, trend on social media. Oh, I hate my life or whatever. And the, these videos of all these things that have gone wrong with it. So I admit, I confess that I've said things like that in these kinds of moments, right, where you're working. And, and it's like the, the YouTube video says, oh, all you got to do is crank this thing, and it comes right off. And, of course, mine doesn't come right off. Mine is, is staying put. And I think, really? I hate my life right now. Why can't I have that guy's car that it just came, you know. Of course, they edited the video, just so you're aware, to make it look simple. But the point is, you and I get into bad situations sometimes. And, and those situations can really bring out the worst of us. And, 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 and it's in bad times when our things like our, our spoiled attitudes, um, our, our entitled thoughts come out, right? Things like, God, I, I'm a Christian. This shouldn't be happening to me, right? I know we've all thought it. Maybe we haven't said it out loud. How come my neighbor hasn't had this problem, right? I go to church. This shouldn't happen to me, right? It's okay. We, it, it happens, right? God must not love me because he let this thing happen in my life, right? God, maybe God doesn't love me. I, I want to tell you this morning that adversity leads to bad theology, right? Adversity leads to bad theology. Everyone in the world has car trouble, I think. But in the moment that it's happening to me, right, I start to think life is unfair. I think God must be against me, right? And not just in car trouble, but in all kinds of things. But why me, right? That kind of happens sometimes, right? This bad theology sneaks out of our mouths and our hearts at times when, when things are tough. And this morning we're going to see um, a, a woman who has lost her good theology because of some incredibly hard times, some incredibly tough circumstances. So our quest, question as we go into our, 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 our time together this morning is, do we trust in God when things are hard? Let's pray. Father, would you help us to see your word this morning? Would you help us to hear it? 
Would you reveal to us how we can draw near to you when it seems like everything's against us? Guide us in our time now. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, So we are in Ruth chapter 1 this morning. We're going to look at verses 6 through 22. And we could spend like a really long time in just this passage, but I'm moving us through this Ruth series. Don't want to spend forever on it. So just know there's so much that I would love to talk about, but unless we're staying until 2 this afternoon, I'm just going to have to scoot through some of it. So um, Ruth chapter 1, verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead, and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb, that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Lord, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So so Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. So we started our series last week, um, and just to give you a little 30-second recap so that we're all together, we we read verses 1 through 5 of of Ruth. And and in that story, 
a, a family from Israel moved to kind of a neighboring country called Moab because there was a famine in the land. It's important to remember that Moab was, was a wicked nation, uh, and God had pronounced a curse on them. They were cousins to the Israelites, but they were harsh to Israel time and time again. And so God said, enough, no more, don't associate with those people. They were pagans. Uh, the Jews were not supposed to marry them. But so the family, uh, the husband of the family, his name was Elimelech. Uh, he dies while they're in the country of Moab, and, and his wife Naomi is now a widow. And she has two sons, Malon and Kilion. And, and their names mean something like, uh, one means kind of weakly, and the other one kind of like an infertile reference. So it seems as though the description of these two guys is that they weren't um, kind of strong, healthy guys ever in their lives, right? That, that's kind of the impression that we can get from them. But so those two marry Moabite women, which was a bad thing. They weren't supposed to do that. And they both die. So now Naomi has lost her husband, and she's lost her two sons. She is in extreme trouble um, because she has no one to take care of her. And, and she is, uh, in, in this time and place, she would be destined for poverty, for homelessness. It's, it's difficult for you and I to kind of understand the, the severity of the situation. Right? There's no welfare system in Moab. She's on her own. No one is coming to help her. And so Naomi, it seems, is going to try kind of a last-ditch effort for survival. She hears that, there's a, uh, that, that the famine that, that moved them from Israel to Moab is over and that things in Israel are good again. And so maybe, just maybe, someone in her hometown from where she's from, maybe somebody can help. That's all she knows to do. That's really her only option, she feels like. And so she decides to do something instead of starve in Moab alone. So she's going to go home. Verse 7 tells us that the, the two wives of his sons, or sorry, of the sons, uh, decide to go with her. Uh, the three of them have, we would just say, that have been kind of living together through, through all of this, um, struggling to know what to do next. And, it, and it's important uh, to note some of the cultural elements uh, in this story as, w- as we go along. Let's look at verses 8 through 10. It says, But Naomi said to her two, two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. So Naomi is going to try to convince these girls that they shouldn't go with her. So I'll just go by myself. You, you guys go back um, and, and, and go back to, to your, your, you know, your mother's house. Uh, when a woman got married in that society, right, she officially joined the husband's family. She's a member of that family now. now Naomi is trying to release them of this. You, you, know, just, you don't have to be a part of my family anymore. I release you. You go back to your, you know, your parents' house, essentially. But they both persist. They say, nope, we're coming with you. We're coming. Uh, we're, we're not leaving you. Uh, let's look at verses 11 through 13. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, 
even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And so here we need a little bit of further kind of cultural help. In, in these days, family and legacy meant everything. Uh, and, and so we see in the Bible, we see this, this practice where a widow uh, would, would often be cared for in a way that, that, that's different than what you and I are, are used to. Uh, there, there's something called uh, leveret marriage. And, and basically what that meant uh, was if a, a woman lost her husband and didn't have any children, the woman was supposed to marry her dead husband's brother. Okay, so imagine yourself in this situation. I don't know if your husband has a brother, but you, it's your job. You got to marry them. Um, so the first son that that new marriage uh, produced would become an official child of the dead first husband. Okay, and that was the way they kept that family line going. They said, look, we don't want to leave that line gone. So your first son, it goes to him, and he is the one who inherits everything, and that line um, continues on. So that's what Naomi is, is referring to when she talks here in this part. Um, and, and she's very honest and practical about the problem, right? She says, look, I'm, I'm old I, we don't know how old she is, but in her mind, she's too old for her to have suitors for somebody that would want to marry her, okay? So she's kind of said, look, my time in, in love and my time in all of that is over. Um, and even if I did get married, you guys are, right, these, the, these daughters are old enough to already be married. And she's like, if I, got, if, if I had a, a son starting this very night, you're going to wait till they grow up? And that would be 12. So, so now you've got, you know, a middle-aged woman marrying a, if she waited that long, let's just say a 12-year-old. That's kind of what we're, so this is a problem, and, and Naomi recognizes it, and she's like, I just, I, I think I'm dooming you guys to a life of, 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 of singleness and, and not having any children, and, and so I think you should just go back. I think you should just go back. There's no future here with me. That's her, that's her thoughts. And so this goes on. It says, Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her, to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. So it seems like Naomi was successful in, in convincing Orpah to go home. She, you know, Orpah starts kind of doing the math as well and says, Yeah, you're right. This isn't going to work for me. <laughs> I've got a better shot going home. Um, and, and Naomi turns to Ruth and says, look, Orpah just left. You need to do the same thing. But something different is going to happen here. And, and, and it's, it's, it's really cool. We'll read on. But I think it's an appropriate point for, for the book of Ruth and, and for our story to stop and say there are two different camps when it, when it comes to how we think about Naomi, okay? And the first first camp says, look, Naomi is wise, and she's kind of right about a lot of the things that she's going to say, and we really shouldn't judge her too harshly here, um, because she is in a terrible situation, right? She may make some, some odd decisions, but it's only out of desperation, right? Let's, let's, let's be, not judge her too harshly. 
And then there's a second camp that says, hey, this woman is from the tribe of Judah. And, and, and her words, her attitude, her actions, they don't line up very well with someone who is supposed to trust in God. Why would a God-fearing woman send Orpah back to a pagan land and says, go back to your, your homeland, go back to your gods? Why would a God-fearing woman say that to this daughter now that's part of her family that she loves? Hey, just, you know what, it's better for you to go on and go, go live this pagan life. Don't come with me. That seems a little strange, doesn't it? Right? And, and you'll notice, you may have already noticed, you'll continue to notice, Naomi has said and done some things that are kind of weird, kind of, kind of extreme at times. I'll tell you how I feel in just a minute, but just be mindful of, of Naomi through this story. Okay, so verse 16. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. So it's it's interesting to me, right? We hear this passage a lot at weddings. I don't know, you may have had it at your own or heard it a lot, right? And we go to weddings. We hear this, you know, where you go, I will go thing. It's one of the most beautiful expressions of, of loyalty and love I can think of, right? I mean, this is straight out of Shakespeare kind of stuff, right? It's beautiful. But you and I don't probably grasp the, the significance of what Ruth just said. First, it means that she is leaving her family and her land, Right? I'm throwing all of that behind, but it's gone. I'm coming with you, right? No looking back. Second, it means for as far as she knows and as far as Naomi just explained to her, right, she is committing to a life of widowhood and childlessness because there's no man for her. There's no man for Naomi to give her, right? And so if she marries someone outside of Naomi's family— She's just broken this vow, right? So the vow that she made is, look, I'm sticking with you and your family. I'm not leaving. If some really handsome Israelite invites me to marry him, I'll leave you and go hit his family. She said, no, 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 I'm not going to ever do that, right? Only death is going to part us. And may it even be worse if I do something different, right? Okay. Uh, Third, right, it's a new land, new customs, new language, there's a lot going on here. Fourth, right, she makes a commitment that's, that's actually more radical than marriage. She says, where you die, that's where I'm going to be buried too. In other words, she's never, ever going to return home. Never. Even when Naomi dies, she says, look, I'm sticking here forever. Never going to leave you. Do you remember when the Israelites left Egypt? Right? And, and, and there was this promise that was made. You know, and, and there was a promise whenever we leave the, the land of Egypt to take what with them? What were they supposed to take? Does anybody remember? The bones, yeah. The, the bones of, of Joseph. He said, look, don't leave me here. When it's time for us to go back to the promised land, you better take me with you. Right? Um, 
because there's this, there's this significance about where we're buried and who we belong to. And, and what Ruth just said is, look, bury me with you. I'm not coming back. I'm never going back to that land. I'm sticking here. This is where I'm going to be. But more amazing than all of those things that she just said, right? She says, look, your God's going to be my God. And, and, and she, you know, as we've, we've talked about before, she swears to God, right? She makes an oath invoking the very name of Yahweh. She says, look, I'm going to commit my life to serving you, so help me God. And if I don't, God strike me down. And I will join you and your people and your religion. I will worship your God. There's no more love song on the radio that's more beautiful than this, right? What she has just said to her mother-in-law is is more incredible than than any expression I can think of. Okay, now to the little last part. So it says, now, so the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. So Naomi comes home, and she brings Ruth, and Im- immediately folks take notice. Uh, the word, the name Naomi, right, means something like pleasant. And they say, hey, Naomi, we're so glad to see you after all these years. And she says, that's not my name. Don't call me that. God has been so harsh with me. My new name is Mara, right? And Mara is the word for bitter, Just call me bitter. She says, look, I went away full. The Lord has brought me back empty. Did did she go away full? Think about that for a second, right? Did she go away full? I don't think so, right? They left their home because of a famine. It was obviously bad enough for them to say, look, we're leaving our homeland, we're leaving everything that matters to us to go somewhere else for survival. They didn't leave empty. I mean, sorry, they didn't leave full. And when she comes back, what does she say? She says, look, the Lord brought me back empty. Did did she come back empty? After just reading the passage we did right above this, did she come back empty? I don't think so, right? The most beautiful act of loyalty I can ever imagine has just been shown to her. A woman just committed her life to serving her no matter what, forever, doesn't matter the cost, I'm with you forever. Yeah, God brought me back empty. I don't have anything Imagine Ruth standing there, right? Kind of an awkward little conversation with the women of of Bethlehem. Yeah, I don't have anything, nothing, nobody, nobody, I'm alone. God's brought me back empty. Right? That's odd. I thought I just committed my life to you. The last verse here says, The two women showed up to Bethlehem 
right, at the beginning of the barley harvest. So first, I want to say this just gives us a little bit of good information uh, and kind of a timeline for the rest of the story, right? And in, in our calendar, we would say they showed up kind of at the end of April, beginning of May. That was the barley harvest for them, right? Um, so this just kind of gives us for our own kind of calendar. But there's, there's something here more than just chronological information. Uh, one, one commentator on Ruth says, one almost senses a delighted, slightly smiling narrator thinking, what a coincidence. They arrived just in time for barley harvest. The, the, the big point that the, that, that the author of Ruth is, is, is trying to tell us is that there may be some hope. To show up at barley, the time for barley harvest, means they're at least not going to starve to death, right? Which they were in Moab. They've shown up in time for the barley harvest. Hey, maybe something's going on here, right? This is foreshadowing, we would call this in literature. Remember last week I said, uh, as we began this series, I said we have to start in the ashes. We, we have to sit and recognize loss. The difficult losses that you and I experience, it, it's important for us to remember those stories um, it's, it's important for us to remember where we have been. The times where we have thought there's no hope. I've experienced something that nobody else could have ever imagined before. This is so painful. There's no hope in this. Right? And we've all been in one of those in some way or another. Right? I don't know what yours is, but we've been there. And we have to acknowledge that all of us are guilty of thinking like Naomi, right? Woe is me. My life is not fair. God must hate me. Nothing ever goes right in my life, right? What is the difference between being bitter and being hurt, right? What's the the difference between being hurt and being bitter? What's the difference? Think about that for a second. I would say the difference between just being hurt and, and becoming bitter is, is holding on to that hurt, right? Not forgetting it, not forgiving it, not releasing it, just holding on to it. Is it fair to say that Naomi is bitter with God? Yeah, I think so. I mean, she says, call me bitter, right? She admits her bitterness, and I, and I told you earlier, I think there are kind of two camps on, on Naomi, right? And I, I tend to fall into the second camp where, where I would say, you know, her actions show a lot of bitterness toward God. Bitterness toward God, a, a skepticism of his goodness and faithfulness. And, th- and there are times where she starts to catch, hey, wait a minute, maybe something's happening. Maybe not all is lost yet. She'll, she'll re- get redeemed, okay? I'm giving you the end of the story. There's redemption coming for her attitude. But, yeah, I, I, think, I think we're going to see Naomi show a lot of bitterness throughout this story. And, and she's not the role model to Ruth that she could have been, right? This is one widow to another widow. Hey, just nothing. There's no hope. There's just, we're done. Just call me bitter. I'm amazed, however, at the actions of Ruth, right, through the story. This Gentile pagan woman from Moab 
Shows, shows more faith, shows more love, shows more devotion, right? She puts her faith into action over and over again. Where Naomi is going to grumble about how hard her situation is, right? She'll just kind of sit and let Ruth do the work. And I, and I would say every day you and I have to choose, right? Life isn't fair. And, and, and you might have it worse than other people, Okay? That might be a true statement, right? You might have the most unreliable car in the parking lot. That might be true. You you may have a pile of junk. You may have more medical issues than the people you're sitting next to here this morning. That's true. That might be a true statement. I'm sure that someone has treated you horribly, mistreated you, hurt you in ways that you can't even put into words. The list could go on. We could talk about this stuff all morning, right? But I, th- but I think in our story, and, and in, in the passage that, w- that we read earlier in Ephesians 4, th- all throughout Scripture, God makes it clear that the wrong choice is to forget His goodness to us and become bitter with Him and with others. That's always the wrong choice. Even if you think you have a right to hold a grudge and stay bitter, God tells us we have to choose forgiveness. The, the passage I use a lot in weddings uh, was, was, was in our Ephesians 4 New Testament reading today. It's Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Right? And this verse is so helpful in marriage. Right? But it's, it's helpful in other places too. Right? I don't get to hold on to bitterness. I don't get to hold on to bitterness because Jesus didn't hold on to bitterness against me and all the things that I have done. Right? Because he could make a list. He could say, look at all the ways you've mistreated me, pal. Right? And he didn't hold on to that bitterness. Instead, he forgave and let it go. So he says, you have to do the same. And I can't be bitter towards God because guess what? The passage reminds me that he made the first move in love, right? It says he forgave us in Christ. Forgave me when I didn't deserve it. Forgave me when I didn't ask for it, right? Christ forgave me. So I don't get to say God's against me because that's, that's, a, tr- that's a false statement from the get-go because Christ forgave me. So I would just say that the choice in life is yours. It's all of our choices, right? Do we hold on to these hurts that we have and turn them into bitterness, right? Which, which only poisons our own soul, by the way, right? Or we can see that maybe it's, it's barley harvest time, right? Maybe there's just a, a, a hint that something is around the corner, that there's hope that not all is lost just quite yet, Right? God is on the scene, and maybe I can't see him just quite yet, but he's on the scene. He's about to do something bigger than we could have ever asked for. Choice is ours. Bitterness or hope. We choose hope and forgiveness. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we are all so tempted 
forget your goodness, to grumble, to turn our hurts, to turn our our, our calamities into a heart closed off to you. Where we forget your goodness, we forget your kindness, your mercy, the grace that you have shown us. Father, may we May we make a different decision than Naomi did. Not to be called Mara, but to be called Pleasant. Not to be bitter, but to choose hope. We need your help. Father, in this time, we think about affliction. We think of those who are dealing with it in so many ways. God, for those who... um, are in the hospital for those who are sick, for those who are going through procedures, dealing with various illnesses. I think of those in, in Benton Harbor. Father, would you show them that it's barley harvest time, that you've got something else going on maybe that they can't see. Father, would you bring healing to so many? We love you, Father. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.